Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for your presence that is certainly here this morning. God, we thank you um, that you meet us right where we are. I pray as we open your word now, God, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us hearts to obey, and that fresh faith would rise up in our lives today. As we look at your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've been around here, you know who I am. Uh, My name is Billy. I serve on staff here as the pastor of discipleship at HFCN, and I am privileged and honored to be sharing the word with you this morning. Uh, Just last week, we began a two-part mini-series titled Pray Like It Matters. Pray Like It Matters. As Pastor Adrian already said, our lead pastor who was just up here moments ago, uh, we begin our Advent series next week, but we wanted to take this two weeks to address the topic of prayer. And so we titled it Pray Like It Matters because we believe that prayer matters. We believe that it matters. And so last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back, watch it online um, to get the first part. Pastor Adrian um, started it off in talking about praying in Jesus' name. Praying like it matters is praying in Jesus' name. And, And he finally boiled it down to this, that praying in Jesus' name means we pray in his authority as his representative and for his glory. Ultimately, it means we pray like he prayed. We present our request to God the Father, but ask that his will would be done, not ours. And so we pray like it matters because it deepens our intimacy with God. So, do you pray like it matters? Would you be guilty of being accused of having a prayer life that's characterized as, as praying like it matters? Because maybe it's true in our lives today, and in some of our lives, that we often post like it matters. Right? If you have social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever that might be, we post like it matters. We post oftentimes with sincere, intense conviction. We want somebody to know that our political opinion matters, our opinion on what's happening here and there matters, and we post like it matters. And maybe, maybe you can't relate with that today, but many of us are often guilty of, of this second one, although we wouldn't want to admit it, we gossip like it matters. We display passionate intensity in in addressing other people's concerns and what they did and the decisions they made without actually addressing them, but we gossip and we talk like it matters. But do we pray? Do we pray like it matters? Do you pray like it matters? Which brings us to today, praying like it matters with his passion, with his passion, with the passion of Jesus. What do I mean with his passion? I am so glad that you asked this morning. Last week, Pastor Adrian left us at the conclusion of the service in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus was to be arrested, crucified on our behalf, suffer on our behalf so that we could be set free from sin and death. He left us there in the garden as Jesus knelt to pray. And so I want to start there this morning in Luke chapter 22. You can follow along on the screen behind me. You can follow along in the version Bible app, whatever you choose. But we're going to start in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Luke 22, 
verse 42. And the word of God says this. Jesus has just knelt to pray in the garden. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, this cup of suffering, this cup of what's going on, what's about to happen. Yet not my will, but yours be done. But I want us to see verses 43 and verse 44 here. Verse 43 says, An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And then, being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I want you to see the series of what happens here. Jesus surrenders his will to the Father. An angel of heaven comes to strengthen him. And then it says, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. He prayed more earnestly. And so praying with his passion is praying earnestly. Praying earnestly. And some of you may know the word fervently, to pray fervently. But that's the same, that's the same thing we're talking about here. Praying earnestly. And there's the definition with passionate intensity, with sincere and intense conviction, seriously. Because we do a lot of things in our life very earnestly. We do them very passionately, very intense with conviction. We do them very seriously, but do we pray earnestly? Pastor Adrian shared a story last week of his daughter Reese when she was younger, um, teaching him about simple prayer. And um, if if you know my family situation, I have a a three-and-a-half-year-old little girl and an almost six-month-old little boy. And um, when my three-year-old Ella was two, um, she got a stomach bug. All right? And stomach bugs, nobody likes stomach bugs because nobody likes to throw up. Right? No one in here is going to raise your hand and say, you know, actually, Pastor Billy, you're wrong there. Um, I enjoy that. So a two-year-old really doesn't like that because a two-year-old doesn't understand what's going on. She doesn't, you know that feeling you get right before it's going to happen? A, a two-year-old doesn't know what's happening in that moment, but it's scary. And so she gets this stomach bug and she throws up. And I think she was more upset about the fact that she threw up and, and the feeling that came with it. And so I said, okay, mommy and daddy are going to pray for you. So we prayed, you know, Jesus, would you touch Ella's tummy? Would you take away the stomach bug so that she doesn't throw up anymore? And so a little bit of time went on. And then all of a sudden she says, daddy, pray, daddy, pray, daddy, pray. The feeling was coming back, right? Daddy, pray, daddy, pray. And so we would pray again, Jesus. I pray that you would take Ella's tummy bug away, that you would help her to not throw up again. Time would go on that day. Daddy, pray. Daddy, pray. Daddy, pray. Daddy, pray. Why? Because my two-year-old was desperate. And when you're desperate, you pray differently. When you're desperate, you pray differently. And so, do you pray like it matters to your Father in heaven? And I want to take a look at Acts chapter 12 this morning to go deeper into this idea of praying with his passion, praying earnestly like it matters. So if you would, we're going to be in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And as always, it'll be on the screen here behind me. We're going to take our time getting through these first 16 verses this morning. Acts chapter 12, in verse 1, it says this. It was about this time, and I want to stop there. It was about this time. About what time? So the church, Jesus has already ascended, he's went to heaven, the church is growing. The church of Jesus, those who would follow after Jesus, who would find new life in him, it was growing. Jews, Gentiles, the the disciples were being sent out, they were sharing the good news, and the church was growing. The church was growing. And so it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church 
intending to persecute them. And what you're about to see in this story is that God's purposes in his kingdom will always overrule human intention. Verse 2 says, He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. This is James, the son of Zebedee. This is James, one of Jesus' three closest amigos. When Jesus went on the mountain to be transfigured, but um, he took James, Peter, and John. This is that James. So one of the three heads of the church has just been executed. And verse 3, when he saw this met with approval, essentially when it gained him political clout among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So he's already killed James. Now he's went after their preacher. He's got Peter. He seized Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying, earnestly praying to God for him. Now I want to I hang, hang out here for a minute because we got a, we got a showdown now. It's Herod's prison versus the church's prayers. It's the enemy's intention versus God's purposes. But the church was praying earnestly. They were praying like it mattered. This wasn't that hurried, good luck, type, flip of the coin prayer. They were praying earnestly like it mattered. Even though it hurt, they prayed. Even though they were disappointed, they prayed. Even though they were confused, they prayed. It's the same type of praying that Jesus is doing in the garden the night before he's crucified. If you can take this cup, Father, take it, but not what I would will, but what you will be done. It's the same type of praying that Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, 7, when he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. The verbs in that verse are all emphasizing continuous action. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep knocking. And it's impressive that in verse 5, the church is praying earnestly for Peter when they just lost James. Because it's hard, right? It's hard to pray for Peter when you just lost James. It's hard to pray when things don't seem to be working out in your favor. And so when we begin to pray like it matters, when we begin to take on this posture, I want us to be attentive to what we're praying for. Be attentive to what you pray for. Because oftentimes we pray for one thing from God and he delivers it but it isn't packaged in the way that we thought or hoped it would be. In other words, sometimes we open the door to God's answer and we turn away thinking it was the enemy because it didn't come in a pretty box. And perhaps, as Pastor Adrian said last week, this is because we often pray in our name and not the name of Jesus. You say, well, what are you talking about? What, what, do, you, what do you mean? Well, if I can be real with you for a moment, if that's okay, um, I had been on staff here for almost four years. 
I had been around some wonderful people, Pastor Adrian, Pastor Kerry. People had been speaking into my lives. I had been hearing men pray. Um, I grew up in the church, but it was different, right? I was in, a, I was in a, a deeper level of the church. And so I often heard them pray in the prayer of the psalmist. So I started praying that prayer. I thought, I want to be godly. So I started praying the psalmist search me prayer. You know that one? Search me, O God, and know me. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any way in me that offends you. And lead me in everlasting life. So I prayed that prayer. Not really knowing how God was going to answer that. I didn't know if he was going to just zap me and I was going to be more holy. or what. I, I didn't know what was happening. I prayed it though. It was a good prayer. It's, it's in the scriptures. But God answered that prayer. Not in the way that I had hoped for. But he answered that prayer by giving my wife the courage to call out the junk in my life that God wanted to free me from. Do you see? See, God was working, but you think that was an easy conversation? You think that that came in a pretty package? But God was answering prayer. God was answering prayer. What about, think about it this way. Have you all ever prayed for patience? Have you ever prayed for patience? I stopped praying for patience. Because oftentimes, when you pray for patience, God's going to allow trouble to come knocking at your door to give you the opportunity to practice the discipline of patience in your life. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you know, and some of you thought God wasn't hearing your prayers, but now you're seeing perhaps God, perhaps God been giving you the opportunity to grow through resistance. That doesn't make sense. So go ahead and pray for patience this morning. Pray for it. And see if your mother-in-law doesn't show up this weekend unannounced and say she's staying for a few days. Now, my mother-in-law was in the first service, and I told her she can show up anytime she wants, so we already settled that. But you go ahead and pray for patience. See if yours doesn't show up. Or perhaps tomorrow morning on Monday when you're running a few minutes late, oh, Lightfoot Larry finds his way into your lane, and five miles per hour under the speed limit is the way he thinks you should drive, but you're running a few minutes behind. So go ahead and ask God for patience and see how he answers. Because you might, you might have prayed for an opportunity and opposition began to arise. They often come together. You might have prayed for favor and feel like you're under fire. They often come together. It's happening in Acts chapter 12 where we find ourselves, the church is gaining favor. They're, they have opportunity, they're growing, but... It was about that time that Herod began to arrest many of them, many of their leaders. So sometimes the thing, and this has been true in my life, sometimes the thing right in front of us, sometimes the thing right in front of us that we're praying would go away is actually bringing the strength and maturity for the season that we're in. We answer the door and we think it's trouble, but really it's the training of God to teach us to trust him alone. So the church in Acts 12.5 is praying earnestly, not knowing how Peter's doing, and Peter certainly doesn't know what the church is up to. And oftentimes, we have to pray earnestly in faith, not knowing if it's making any difference in our lives or the lives of those we love. But it seems like nothing's happening. I still feel chained. They seem to be so far from God and not getting any closer. This situation just seems impossible. But if in your praying, the enemy seems to have showed up, if opposition has begun to arise, it's often proof that God 
is up to something. Keep praying. Keep praying. We pray like it matters because Hebrews 11.1 tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. So we pray like it matters. Because praying like it matters is not about rationale and feelings. There's nothing wrong with those. But praying like it matters is about relationship and faith. One pastor said it this way, we need to be set free from the need to feel or to know. Facts and feelings are two poor substitutes for faith. Listen, there's nothing wrong with facts and feelings, but they're two poor substitutes for faith in our lives. And listen, I, I, I'm not uh, proposing something today where if we pray earnestly, if we pray in this manner with this formula that God's going to make it all work out. That's not what I'm proposing We've already understood that by what we just talked about. If that was true, if I could give you that kind of answer, then I'd write a book and retire right now. But that's not what we're talking about. And so we look back at our story, and the church is earnestly praying to God for Peter, but what's going on with Peter on the night before his trial and probably his death? Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. The night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, the night before his probable death, Peter was sleeping. Now, how can you sleep at a time like this? I wouldn't be sleeping. I'd be pacing. I'd be praying. I'd be puking. I don't know what I'd be doing, but I wouldn't be sleeping. But Peter's asleep. Maybe Peter gets something that we maybe Peter gets something that we don't understand. Maybe now Peter gets it. Maybe he understands that God's purposes for his life will prevail in the end. No matter what that looks like, God's purpose will prevail in the end. Because nothing in the text as we're about to see indicates Peter believed he'd be free again. It actually suggests the opposite. So let's keep going. Verse 7. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. And I want us to pause and look at this verse for a moment to see what just happened. Now, the text would make more rational sense if it was read this way. The chains fell off Peter's wrist, and then the angel said, quick, get up. But that's not what the text says. The text says, the angel said, quick, get up, and then the chains fell off Peter's wrist. So the angel actually told Peter to get up while he still felt held down by the chains. And as Peter obeyed, the chains fell off. So perhaps you've been praying for freedom in your life and you've given up because you haven't seen anything happen and you still feel chained. But what we can see from Peter's situation, and I can tell you from my life, is that obedience always comes before freedom. Obedience always comes before freedom. So here they go. Keep reading. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I told you the text didn't suggest Peter thought he was going to be freed. Peter's not even dressed and ready to go. The angel's telling him to get his clothes on. Either that or Peter's just a really deep sleeper. Some of y'all live with someone like that. They wake up in the middle of the night and it's like they're on another planet. 
But Peter, Peter is woken up. He's told to get dressed, but he doesn't even know he's actually being set free. You see, Peter was already delivered once in Acts chapter 5. In the same situation, Peter's arrested, he's thrown in prison, and in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord shows up and sets Peter free. But it's hard to believe that the Lord would do it again when they just got James. It's hard to believe that God's going to come through when we prayed for James and we just lost James. It's hard to believe that the Lord's going to do it again. But here goes Peter and the angel of the Lord. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. The iron gate opened for them by itself. How can this be? The iron gate opened for them by itself. I believe that the gate was remote controlled. The gate was opened from another location. You see, in Acts 12, 5, it says the church was praying earnestly to God for Peter. And the gate opened for them by itself, and they went through it. Now, there's significance that it's an iron gate. That's showing the strength of the gate that was holding Peter back, that kept Peter bound, that kept him in prison. Most gates wouldn't have been made of iron. But the iron gate, that's remote controlled from another location. As the church is praying earnestly, it opens for them by itself, and they went through it. The church was praying earnestly to God for Peter. Then Peter comes to himself. He, he comes out of his days and says, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. As you pray, you may find yourself in disappointment. You may be in a place where you're confused at what's going on. You may be in the midst of something and you feel like you're in a fall. But keep praying. Keep praying like it matters. Because you don't know what God's up to. You don't know what he's doing while you're in it. It's not till you get to the other side of it that you see what God was doing all along. So keep praying because you don't know it while you're in it. And so when this dawns on him, verse 12, when this dawned on him, Peter went to the house of John Mark. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were having a prayer meeting. Peter doesn't know what's going on. He just says, this is the place I should go. This is a safe place. So Peter comes to his senses, and he's going to where the prayer meeting is happening. Now, we don't know what time it was, but it's impressive to me that they're still praying. Because I don't know if I would still be praying. When morning comes, Peter's probably going to die. And they just lost James. They just prayed for James. I don't know if I could say I would still be praying. They prayed for James. They lost him. It's hard to pray by faith, even, even when you've seen God move a mountain in your life. But you're feeling hurt. You're disappointed. You're confused. And there's another mountain standing right in front of you. But the church is praying like it matters. They're still knocking. They're still knocking. They're still knocking. So Peter arrives at the house in verse 13. Peter arrives at the house and it says, Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. 
when she recognized Peter's knocking, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Y'all, this is funny. This is, this is Peter just escaped from prison. Peter is knocking at the door, and she's so excited God just answered her prayer that she doesn't even let him in. She runs back into the other room. Listen, y'all, Peter's at the door. Our answer to our prayer is standing at the door. Woo! But, he, but he's still outside. And what, does, what do the rest of them say? Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. Now the prayer meeting's still happening. You're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. They go back and forth. They have this interchange. And, and it's hard to believe. No way God just did what we were asking for. No way Peter's at the door. We were just praying about that. No way. It's hard to believe that the answer is standing at the door. Because the church had been praying earnestly for Peter, but... They were not anticipating their prayers to be answered in such a way. As the worship team comes, I want us to remember that praying like it matters is about a relationship, not rationale. Faith, not feelings. So we pick up in verse 16. Peter's still outside, right? Peter's just broke out of prison and he's still outside. He, Peter's knocking. Peter kept on knocking. But Peter kept on knocking. Let's be for real. This is Peter who just broke out of prison. Peter kept on knocking. Somebody better let me in this house. I'm out here. I just broke out. Somebody better let me in this house. I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Somebody open this door. I told you I had a, a, a son who's almost six months old. Some of you know the story. Um, but uh, he, he made it full term, 39 and a half weeks, and my wife, we went into the hospital to deliver him. And, um, and my wife did a great job. She did a great job uh, delivering him. But as soon as he was delivered, it was evident that something wasn't right. Um, he was blue, he wasn't moving, and he wasn't really even breathing. And so uh, they immediately took him from my wife, and it sent him second, it seemed like. There were like 15 people in the room. And they begin to resuscitate him. Um, and, and I found myself uh, in the middle, my wife over here, my, my newborn son over here. And um, you best believe I was praying like it mattered. Jesus, I, I, I don't even remember what else I prayed except Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I was knocking because you knock different when you're desperate, don't you? You knock different when you're desperate. And so all I can say is Jesus. Jesus, and I'm praying, and he ends up, a few hours later, he's taken to the NICU at UVA from RMH, and he's almost six months old, so he's here, right? And so, praise God, he had a short stay there. He recovered much quicker than what they had even told us he would, but we kept praying. We kept knocking. We kept praying earnestly, and just this past week, when I was preparing for this Sunday, I was talking to my wife. And we haven't even talked much about those moments. You know, they're, they're scary and they're intense. And, and she told me, I, I, I said, what were your thoughts? Like, how are you processing it? She said, all I could think as I prayed, all I could hear was this, this line from a women's conference we had here that said, we serve a big God. We serve a big God. And then these thoughts came. Who can save him and heal him? 
she said, but there was this other thought that I couldn't get, couldn't get rid of either. Or who is big enough to take care of us if he doesn't. We serve a big God. And the reality is this morning that we pray different when we're desperate, don't we? But what if God desires that kind of desperation for him, that kind of vulnerable relationship with him all the time? What if that's his desire for us? So perhaps there's something in your life or the life of those you love, you've said a prayer for here and there, but you haven't really been praying like it matters. It's not, it's not an intentional thing, but you've been too distracted to be desperate. You've been too busy to be still. You've bought the lie of doubt that says prayer really doesn't matter. You've been so overwhelmed with disappointment about what's already happened that your faith is just frail. So although you can say, I've seen God move a mountain before, and the disappointment and doubt, say don't get your hopes up that he's going to do it again. So I invite you this morning, despite the thoughts you might be wrestling with, despite the feelings that may seem contrary, I invite you to stand with me this morning. I invite you to stand and make this song your prayer this morning, your declaration of faith, and to begin, or perhaps begin again, to pray in your life like it matters. Because it is about relationship, not rationale. It's about faith, not feelings. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that we would be people of earnest prayer. I ask that fresh faith would rise up in this room today, oh God. Someone needed to hear your word today. And right now, I pray they would stand firm upon it for themselves or someone they're praying for. They would keep knocking. Pray like it matters. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.